In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will hold a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck here on The Athletic, and I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We have just watched the Coca-Cola 600 from afar, crown jewel race here on Memorial Day weekend, and we have some thoughts to share about that. Um, quite an interesting race, I guess, uh, at least in some aspects. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Weird Memorial Day, by the way. Can we just acknowledge no Indy 500, no Monaco Grand Prix, and just how weird it was not to see those two races today? Yeah, I mean, it was, it just, I don't know. It just didn't even really feel like Memorial Day weekend to me. I mean, I know this was the Coke 600, but, you know, number one without the Indy 500 and without just being able to do what you would normally do on a, on a holiday weekend anyway, like go see yeah. people or have barbecues or whatever for the most part. Uh, you know, I don't know. It just, I, I haven't been home like this, you know, without going to a race, uh, probably since 2006-ish, I guess. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely weird. But at least we had we had the Coke 600, which was good. I'm glad that that, you know, it would have been really hollow if we didn't have any racing at all. So, first of all, let's get out of the way, even if it was not the best race. <laughs> at least it was a race that happened. So, that's good, right? It gave us something to talk about at the end. I mean, the first... 300 or the first 598 miles probably weren't the most interesting, but the last few miles certainly were uh, entertaining. Um, curious decisions, interesting racing. Um, just a, it was, I, I don't know how if you're Chase Elliott and that nine team, I just it, to, to me, it's like at some point you just got to get sick of being punched in the stomach. Not only what happened at Darlington, but this is just kind of a re reoccurring theme with them where it seems like. They find ways to lose races, you know, on a regular basis. And after a while, you, you would just think that kind of adds up a little bit and impacts you, and especially going forward, because this race should have been theirs. This was a really a no-brainer call on whether to pit or not when that caution came out. Well, okay, here's the thing. Let's let's talk through this, okay? So obviously, you know, he's about to win the Coke 600. He's five laps away or whatever, and his own teammate gets a flat tire spins out obviously he you know William Byron didn't want to do that on purpose you know he, he would have liked to try to save it uh certainly and, and let his teammate go on and win that doesn't happen okay so now you're faced with this situation to me I mean again and and how how often are we wrong about these I, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm wrong plenty of times but in this situation it seemed so obvious there's no way no way you pit 
because all night, the entire story of the race has been, oh, wow, look at clean air. I guess clean air is more important than tires, huh? Look at Joey Logano mm-hmm. um, at the end of at, at stage three. You know, mm-hmm. he stays out on uh, a 20 lap older tires or something like that, 19 laps, and he's able to stay in front of everybody. Now, now obviously, it was in Alan Gustafson's mind because Alan Gustafson had Chase Elliott stay out right with Logano uh, and Harvick uh, at the end of that stage three, and they went straight to the back of the lead lap. So, you know, it was obvious to us, but Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott was saying on the radio, I think there's going to be guys that stay out here. And Alan said, I was listening, he said, you know, well, as, as bad as we fell off before, no way people are going to stay out. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? So they did stay out. They, they pitted. Everybody, other people stayed out. And that's the race right there. As soon as those people, I mean, it's just game over. But And, and so the counter argument to that, Jordan, is, oh, well, you know, everybody would have just pitted if he, you know, if he stayed out. I don't know. First of all, I don't know if that's true. Maybe he would have had a couple people with him. They'll take the free track. He would, have, he would have had a buffer for sure. Yeah. At least a couple cars. Somewhat. Right. And, and the bottom line is if he comes out of there with the lead, I think he has a better than 50% chance. Even if people have fresher tires behind them on holding them off, because we saw the leader having clean air means so much. He would have guaranteed himself to have the lead if he just stays out. Cause he was already the leader. So, I don't. I, you just need two laps. Yes. Why? Why overcomplicate? Like, what could possibly? I mean, did did Gustafson just outthink himself there? Like, what happened? I think crew chiefs in these situations often overthink themselves, and they think that you know they, they it's the old analogy: you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. You're going to hear that a lot because Chase has said it a couple times now. But they feel like they're going to be criticized if they don't pit. And it's a no-win situation, and they would rather at least, in their minds, do the smart thing, the logical thing, which is the, in their eyes is the pit. And that's not. I mean, in this case, you, who cares? You know, when you have worn tires, the, the the thinking is you have to pit. But when reality is, that doesn't matter as much because, as we saw, tire wear doesn't matter. Clean air is everything, especially when you're the control car. Now, if you're lining up second or third on a restart with older tires and you're not the control car, that's different. But if you're the leader and you can kind of dictate the pace and get out ahead, that means everything. And that, that was the difference in this situation from where Elliot was earlier. And you look at it though, and it's just not Gustafson though. You know, I was listening all night to Martin Truex Jr.'s radio and his crew chief, James Small, multiple times came on the radio and said, track position, clean air, track position, clean air. And they had one stop earlier in the race where they got back in traffic. Because they took they, two they were, tires. Yes. Yep. And they were kicking themselves. And they said, hey, we can't do this again. We've got to, you know, we got to be ahead of this. What did they do at the end? They did the same thing. They pitted. And it was like, wait a second. Like 30, 30 laps ago, you were just kicking yourself for losing track of position. And now you have an opportunity to maintain that. And you're foregoing it. So, yeah, I just think these crew chiefs, this happens a lot. They just kind of overcomplicate it, overthink it a little bit. And instead, you just got to take a step back and say, okay, this may not make the most sense because, yeah, we need tires and you want tires. But you know what? We're just going to go with it. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, to me, in order for Gustafson's strategy to work, the only way that works is if every single person like if nobody stays out, because like like you said with the Truex example, which is in my mind too, he I think restarted fourth or something when he had those two tires, and he was mm-hmm. a totally different car. So in, in the wrong lane too. Yeah, yeah. So even if you're even if you're Elliot and you say, okay, well, 
two people come out, you know, and you're, if you're not restarting on the front row there, I mean, you're, you, I, he was just banking on every single person pitting. Like what, wh- why? I, I just, I don't know. That was so, it was so puzzling. And I hate to, you know, overly criticize there, but obviously it was a pretty high profile thing. And, and, you know, that race was four and a half hours long and pretty much all the viewers at home, it seemed like just spent four hours, 15 minutes, at least the people on Twitter going, Oh my gosh, clean air, clean air. I mean, it was like the story of the night. You know what I mean? Like there was not a lead change in the race, a green flag lead change, lead change other than green flag pit stops uh, until like more than halfway through the race. Right. Alex Bowman won two stages primarily because his crew chief was smart, Greg Ives, and said, you know what, we're going to forego four tires. I'm going to give my guy two tires. I'm going to give him the lead. And they were able to grab track position. They weren't, then they didn't relinquish it for a while. And they were able to win two stages primarily because of that decision. So yeah. And then the only way, the only way that he didn't win the third stage is because a guy took zero tires. Yeah. So So, it just shows you though. So, and that's what I'm going to, as I mentioned earlier, is like, how do you overcome that? Like, and I was if you're a driver and your crew chief makes that call, what, what what does that do to your confidence in him the next time this happens? Do you second guess him? Like I haven't heard Elliot. I don't. I don't think meltdown is the right word. Well, how would you describe his reaction? Just fired up. I mean, here's the thing. He he was very angry, and I think if it was um, Kyle Busch or Kurt Busch who were saying that same words yeah. at that same tone, oh, yeah. people would say it, it was a meltdown. Uh, I don't think you know. I think he was, I was, yeah, I think he was furious and rightfully so, but he was, he was losing his crap for a few minutes there. Um, yes, he was, he was dropping F bombs and, and you know, yeah, he is, he has the right to be there. He's about to win the Coca-Cola 600 mm-hmm. and it just slips away. Uh, and, and they, you know, even when the caution came out, they still had a chance to do it. And they, so it's one thing for caution for that to happen, but then to shoot yourselves in the foot. Um, with it was with a strategy call, it just uh, that's got to be really hard to swallow. So, but yeah, I think it's a great point because in the next the next time this happens, and Gustafson says, "Hey, we're going to come in and do this," and you, you know, how does Chase as a driver go? Yeah, okay, I'm I'm on board. I'm totally on board. I totally believe you. I totally trust you. I, I know you're going to make the yeah. right move. Right. I I, I totally yeah, that's agree. What I'm right. About. I mean, because uh, I mean, to me, I mean, it happens once. Okay. But like I said, you know, th- this team just has an, it seems like they have a knack for, it feels like they should have more wins than they do. And, they, and they've won a bunch like in the last few years. They, they certainly have done that, but it feels like they should have more wins and they don't. And at some point you have to wonder like, what, why, why is it? And I think Alec Gustafson, let me just say, I think he's a tremendous crew chief. He, he builds fast race cars. He's won with a lot of different drivers, but man, <laughs> that's, I don't know how you don't lose confidence and just and, and start questioning things because this this can't happen to me. This just seems like a race that you just you threw away. Like I mean, this was a win right there for the taking. You get a good restart, boom, you're in victory lane. Well, here's my other thing. Um, why you know like like okay, so in in IndyCar, they have uh, the engineer type guy who is like the the mm-hmm. crew chief basically. And then they have a race strategist, right? Who is yeah. separate from the guy. So essentially, if I'm not, if maybe I'm mistaken here, but the guy that sets up the car and and is responsible for that is a different guy than is the one making the strategy decisions. Is that not correct? Is that right? Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. So, but in NASCAR, I mean, the, the crew chief has engineers sitting there with him, but the crew chief yeah. is the one who 
sets up the cars and makes those decisions, makes decisions on the changes and is calling the strategy. Why, why don't NASCAR teams sort of have like the race strategist or is that sort of the engineer that's making those calls? It's a little bit of both. It depends on the team. Some crew chiefs like to rely more on their engineers for those kind of decisions. Some crew chiefs feel like they have a better feel for it. And I will even say this, and I and there's a video out there, and if anybody wants the, the video, I'll share the link. I just don't know off the top of my head. But there are teams, Richard Childers Racing, for example. Um, there is a documentary narrated by Robert Downey Jr. that came out last year, and it's from the Richmond Fall, the Spring Richmond race. And it shows how Richard Childers Racing has a team of engineers, along with Chevrolet, back in Charlotte, dictating the strategy of the race. And when um, Austin Dillon should pit, for example. And if you pit on this lap at this time, you're actually going to maximize your, your positions. But that goes against what the crew chief wanted to do. And the crew chief went with his decision, and it ended up costing them like three or four spots. And Dylan had a really good chance to win the race if they would have listened to the computer. So this is kind of evolving in NASCAR where the crew chief is is no longer the end-all, be-all. It's not, just, it's not him making the call, and it's kind of going to that model that you talk about, which is an IndyCar a little bit, where you, you have to bring in some other elements. But And again, I wish I had the name of this, this documentary. And again, if anybody wants to see it, just hit me up, and I, I have the link, and I'll share it with you. It is fascinating to see the evolution of how some teams are now kind of going towards this model of when to pit and when not to pit and what and when they do pit, how many tires to take. Well, I mean, I tell you what, as we could talk about that all we want, but you don't need a computer to tell you, no. obviously, tonight. <laughs> now, but the, I, I guess the reason I bring it up is just that, you know, we talk about Alice, Alan Gustafson. I mean, he's clearly building fast cars, right? I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's giving good. Chase he's really Elliott um, what he needs to win, but... You know, you have to question some of, you know, at least not some of the strategy decisions. The one we saw tonight, you have to question that one. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I I feel for, for Chase Elliott. Uh, obviously, though, this still, to me, still seems like it's shaping up to be a Hendrick year. Although this night yeah. went terribly for them. Because when you look at it, it's not just Chase Elliott whose night went south. Alex Bowman was seemed to be, you know, have, have a great car and have his speed, um, you know, that, that he showed at like Las Vegas and Fontana. Um, and then he ends up finishing 20th. I guess he, even though he was pushing Keselowski on that final restart in overtime, um, somehow he ended up going straight to the back, finishes 20th. Byron obviously was running top six almost the whole race. Were, you know, they were pretty late in the race. There was 400 cars in the top six. And Byron gets the flat tire. Uh, his he spins out. His race is over. It costs his teammate at the same time. And then Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Um, I think it was a restart with about fifty to go or something like that. Um, he he wins the the battle out of the pits. So he's the control car, and he did not have a good restart. It was the one where he was uh, side by side with Keselowski the first time, and Keselowski ended up taking the lead there. Um, we have been talking all, all nights up to that point where, oh, if you're the leader, you're going to have clean air. And he didn't even lead after that lap. He just kind of slowed everybody down and just didn't have a good restart. Then in overtime, he's got another shot um, with Blaney pushing him on the outside, and it didn't work out for him again. So, you know, he had a couple shots to win. It, you know, if you're Hendrick, you've got to be just, man, we had four fast cars, any of which could have won the race. None of them did. I mean, that's just... It's frustrating, but I still feel like going forward, like Wednesday, 
is probably going to be, I feel like it's going to be another Hendrick night. Um, you know, Atlanta, Homestead, whatever. In any intermediate track right now, I still feel confident that Hendrick cars are going to be the story of the race. Yeah, and I've, I've kind of pumped the brakes in the Hendrick talk, you know, throughout the year saying, hey, look, I want to see more. This is a small sample size. I'm convinced. Tonight convinced me. I was watching this race, and I was like, wow, these cars are fast. Not only do they qualify well, and they, they've consistently qualified well for a while now, but they're carrying that speed over from qualifying to the race, which is a big deal. And it's not something they've been able to do. And like you said, they win the first two stages with Bowman. Johnson's in the mix all night. Byron's running in the top five or six all night. Elliott's up there, and if he wouldn't have had a pit road penalty, he certainly would have been in the mix much more than he was. They looked good, and at times they were outrunning the Gibbs cars, and I think the Gibbs cars looked really good tonight too at times. Um, I, I don't think there's any way you can think that the Hendrick cars aren't the fastest right now. Brad Keselowski even said in the post-race, he's, you know, yeah, they're, they're a titch better than everyone right now, and they look good, and any of their four drivers look like they can pop off and win the race. Now, you know, if I'm Alex Bowman, I, you know, I look at, you know, I finished second at Darlington last week, which is good, but then I had a good run, you know, on Wednesday night at Darlington. I kind of let that one get away from me and I let tonight get away from me. And, and how about William Byron? I mean, these fast cars, um, and he's running well, getting stage points at times, but they're just not finishing well at times. That's got to be frustrating. And you've got to be saying, what's going on here? You know, but again, you know, the, the speed is great and they look like they are more consistent than they are. But the winds are escaping them a little bit. And, and as you said, it has to be frustrating. It has to eat at them a little bit because you're seeing other teams win these races that, frankly, they, they should be yours. Well, let's let's talk about Keselowski a little bit because he did win the race and we've gotten this far into it without really talking about what he did. Now, he, you know, he, you, you would say that he maybe stole this one a little bit just because he wasn't going to win. Um, but he was fast. Then, I mean, yeah, you know, no. You got to put yourself in position. Right. But he, he was gifted a, you know, when, when Chase Elliott, pulls off the track there and he says he's going to stay out. He, he said his thought was, Oh boy, how many people are going to stay out behind us? Cause he's doubting himself for a minute when he sees chase pull off. Then as soon as he, he, you know, saw five, six, seven people stay out with him, he knew, Oh, well, chase is going to be able to get back up there. Um, but I thought the really interesting thing was he chose to take the bottom on the restart and his teammate, Ryan Blaney, was going to restart fourth. So Blaney's lining up on the second row on the outside. Brad could have had the option to start on the outside and have Blaney as his pusher. Instead, he chooses the inside where he's going to have Alex Bowman as his pusher, and he gives Jimmy Johnson uh, having Blaney push him. So I thought, that's weird. Why, why wouldn't you want your own teammate pushing him? So I asked after the race. He said that because if he was going to start up top, he knew that Blaney was going to have a real good chance to make it three wide, even higher on the outside. He didn't want to get put three wide. He didn't want to be put in the middle with somebody on his outside. So he just figured if he stuck down low, that would be his better option. He kind of made it seem like he didn't even really remember for a second who was pushing him, um, even though it was, it was Bowman. So I thought that was really interesting. So it's not like he you know, just completely lucked into it and had nothing left to do once um, once. Elliot pulled off the track, but you know, I, I don't know. Kudos to him. I mean, he's now won uh, four out of the five uh, crown jewel races, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, do you really feel Bristol, the, the August Bristol race is a crown jewel race? I don't feel, I don't feel the same about that as other people do. Well, okay. Here's the thing. So Keselowski said this, you're referring to a comment he made after, after the race where he was counting that as 
as of so you're you're are you yeah. saying there's only four then or are you saying I think there's only four and I and Brad's not alone in this too I've heard other people right. say this as well right. I, I'm I only believe there's four I just believe it's the the four it's Darlington Southern 500 Coca Cola 600 Brickyard 400 Daytona 500 so are you you don't think the All Star races at all I assume no not at all okay I I don't either but I've heard some people say that before um That's wrong well Jimmy Johnson's one of the ones who said I've no, heard wrong said too. that before. Um, but Bristol does seem to be taking on a little bit more importance that Bristol night race is a little bit magical. It's high profile. It seems like all the drivers want to win that. I could see it, you know, sort of counting as that, but traditionally I understand what you're saying where it's Southern 500 Coke, 600 Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400. So I could, I could go with that. But anyway, he's won three out of the four. Then if you take, if you lop yep. off his Bristol one, he's won all of them, but Daytona, um, I don't know. It's just interesting. Interesting to see that he does. You know, they they seem to capitalize in big moments, right? And uh, yeah. Well, the interesting thing to me is too is is up until 2018, Brad had never won a major before, and that was kind of the I don't know knock against him, but that was just kind of an interesting thing. Is yeah, he's a former champion, but he's never won a big NASCAR race before. And then in 2018, he knocked off the Brickyard 400 and the Southern 500 back to back. And then those are the first two, and then he comes back and, and wins the Coca Cola six hundred. So it's not a nice. He's on a nice little run over the last you know year and a half, and so. Yeah, well, um, it's you know I I don't really know. It's hard to get a feel for where that team is right now. You know, he, he's obviously a free agent. He's been pretty noncommittal about coming back there. He dodged Jenna's question tonight about, um, you know whether you know where his status is now. Obviously, we know the 48's open, um, so I I don't know where you know uh, how that team really goes forward this season if he's going to be in limbo all year. I I, I don't really know. Um, it's an interesting interesting time for them. Plus, you just don't know the speed overall. It I, I'm not sure which way to go on on Penske right now, but um, you know they're obviously they're obviously going to be contenders and run the top 10 all the time. I just don't know how many races they're going to win. Um, I kind of feel that Penske and Gibbs are around the same level right now, just sort of like half a tick behind Gibbs, Gibbs, the the Gibbs cars are better. Obviously Hamlin had his issues, but Kyle Busch and Truex and Jones, they all had their moments tonight. So maybe they're not as far off as I thought they were on the West coast swing. What do you, have they made improvements? Yeah, I mean, Truex looks really good. He looked good at both Darlington races. He looked really good tonight. He had a fast race car. I think, you know, a little bit better track position. I think he would have won that race. Um, you know, Kyle Busch was up and down. He had a good car, but not a race-winning car. I mean, he was he kind of backslid there a little bit, and he wasn't happy with it. He was he was definitely he was a top ten car. Eric Jones looked really good as well, and then he got shuffled out on, on the pit stop cycles and lost track position, and then his night just kind of unraveled from there, which is seems to be a recurring theme with them as well. Um, Denny Hamlin, I, I mean, I don't know what we can say about Denny Hamlin, except he's going to be missing his crew chief, lead engineer, and his car chief for the next four races. That is a tough blow. But the nice thing is, is he's got two wins. He's locked in the playoffs. And the way things are set up with, you know, having crew chief, crew rosters kind of condensed a little bit, you can kind of work around this a little bit. So I don't know how big of a blow this is going to be. Plus, they're going to Martinsville, which is one of Denny's best tracks. So, I think they'll be fine, but it's still it's not something you want to deal with at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean if 
if it was if they were going through practice and qualifying every weekend and you had to worry yeah. about making changes and stuff but pretty much you're going to roll the car right off the trailer and not do anything to it anyway um and he's locked in the playoffs, so it's like you know if you have a bad race like eh, well oh well yeah and really you you have you can have guys sitting there at their computers like they fox mm-hmm. has shown the the guy in the 48 shop um doing that anyway so by the way he ended up hamlin ended up getting up to 30th place i mean it, he seemed like he wanted to just call it quits early um he ended up getting 10 spots so i mean maybe that comes down to points later but um i'll tell you what who was impressive again uh, at times was tyler reddick and um tyler reddick as you know he we did a 12 questions uh this week and he talked about um his his aura of smell that is not very good. Did you did you read happen to read this? Did you have time to read this? I did. I, I I read all of your twelve questions. They are all great, and this was a really good one. Okay, well, during this, you know, because he's talking about his salty sweat and sitting in the sweat, uh, I think this is a good sponsor for this week for our podcast, Jordan, because we have Hawthorne. Um, and they want you to know that smelling good is really important. It uh, is so. They have the Hawthorne cologne. What, what do you mean it is? You you know about this? Well, I am a big believer in cologne, and now you're going to laugh at me. I have a 10-foot rule where I like to have someone smell me 10 feet before they, before I'm next to them. I'm not so kidding when I say this. You you have your your, your cologne, uh, and you they you want them to catch the whiff, like, oh, here comes Jordan. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, you can like smell me. Oh, that's Jordan's coming in. Yeah, I'm a, I am a cologne aficionado. Um, I believe that it kind of sets an impression, a tone, if you will. And I, yeah, you know, so 10 foot rule, it just, you know, FYI for those guys out there. Do you, do you, uh, care to drop what kind of clone you have, or you're going to keep that? Uh, I, I actually wear different brands of clone. Oh, you have multiple what clone. I'm wearing. Well, yeah. it sounds like you need to, uh, check out Hawthorne if you haven't already, Jordan, because if you check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co, that's Hawthorne with an E, by the way, and .co, not .com. But Hawthorne CO, and use a promo code ATHLETIC. That's pretty easy to remember. You get 10% off on your first purchase. So go to Hawthorne. Yeah. All right. Go to Hawthorne.co. right now. Please do. Go to Hawthorne.co, use a promo code ATHLETIC, get 10% off your first purchase, Hawthorne.co. And if you who are listening do that, then you could perhaps smell as good as Jordan and not smell like Tyler Reddick. Maybe we should send him some or something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But you know, it, it was a good night too for, for Reddick. It was a good night for, um, bell, Christopher bell. Yeah. Back to back runs for bell. Uh, I think that he, that's his first, that's his best career cup finish. 10th place. Yes, it is. Yep. Um, so that's good. He, uh, yeah, he finished 11th at Darlington too. Tough start for that team. I mean, they had just, they were, just kind of stumbling over themselves. And then he comes back and finishes, you know, 11th and 10th. So kind of writes the ship a little bit. And you can see the talent in bell. I think we saw it tonight. I mean, he got completely sideways tonight, um, off a nudge of Ryan Blaney's car. And I was like, man, and he grabbed it and kept going. And he's got a lot of speed. And I think once he's going to, fi- once he figures this out, I think he's going to do a lot of big things this year. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, a lot of guys were up and down, so it's kind of hard to really evaluate, you know, like, Matt Benedetto, for instance, you're like, okay, well, you know, he, he wrecked, and qualifying. wrecked and qualifying, backup car, you know, was lapped early, fought back, mm-hmm. leading the race because they stayed out and he was seemed to be doing Check. okay yep. for a little bit. And then he ends up finishing 18th. So, you know, you're like, okay, well, that's kind of up and down. Austin Dillon ran really well for almost the whole race. Mm-hmm. He ends up finishing 15th, though. 
you know? And then you look yeah, at that last restart. Yep. Harvick, he seemed to really not not be himself tonight, I thought. And then he ends up finishing sixth. So, you know, he sort of redeems it. Same with Kurt Bush. They seemed I was like, oh boy, Oof, this is bad. Yeah. But, but he got a top ten. So it was just a weird night as far as guys coming and going, uh, at least lead lap cars, because you're just like, you know, it's, I, I don't really, it's such a long race. So many different things happen. Um, there's very few guys that sort of were just up front. Really, the, it was the guys, you know, you have Elliot, Truex, Johnson, Bowman were pretty much the really consistent ones for the, for most of the race, I would say. But yeah, Jordan, was this, is see... this race too long though? I mean, four hours, 34 oh, minutes. Gonna... This oh, yeah, by, by laps, this was the longest, uh, longest mileage race, I believe in, um, cup series history. Um, yeah. so, you know, I understand the tradition and no, that it's a they're... major and stuff, but is this not excessive at some point? It's a hundred percent excessive. I wrote about this a year ago. We're celebrating our year anniversary here at the athletic. And this was the third piece I wrote for the athletic was coming off the Coke 600 last year, which was like a five and a half hour race or some four hours, 50 minutes, I believe. Last yeah. Year. yeah. It yeah. was re- like the idea that race needs to be 600 miles is no longer relevant because back in the day when attrition mattered and driver fitness mattered, 600 miles meant something. It meant that you were, it meant stamina. You meant you were, you were good. You built good race cars that were, that were durable and you were a driver who could gut through it. That's not the case anymore. Like we had, you know, the reliability is no longer an issue. Um, the, all the drivers are largely in great shape. They didn't even look that tired tonight. Honestly, no, getting out of the car, not, they did not look especially that tired. Especially considering they barely, you know, they, they just drove you know, two other races in the last week. They're not exhausted at all, which should tell you everything. No, you don't. And for television purposes, this is a horrible idea to have a race this long. Change it to 600 kilometers. I, I get that you want to have the Coca-Cola 600. That it means something, that name. Great. Coca-Cola 600 kilometers. This is not a race that needs to be as long. And I and I and not to belittle Charlotte, but the Charlotte oval races, frankly, are not good. I mean, you tell me the last good oval race that Charlotte had consistently from beginning to end. It's been a while. And well, before that, it was even longer. It's it just doesn't happen very often. I will say that last year's race, um, it had a ton of cautions in it, and it got a really high percent in the was it a good race poll. I think it was like eighty eight or something, something pretty high. But it was because there were so many cautions, so many restarts, mm-hmm. and all restarts. that stuff. Right. So yeah. we know that that's yeah. the key to this package. Tonight, yeah, it just wasn't. It wasn't nearly as good. And I think too that you know. I get to I get the tradition all that stuff, but I really think that this was a huge missed opportunity um, because you had a lot of people watching who mm-hmm. don't normally watch. Um, anecdotally, I can tell you, two of my buddies from high school. I always I, I use these guys a lot as my barometer for things as far as NASCAR because they're they're not they're big sports fans. They're not like anti NASCAR, but they don't really. They, they don't really like it. I mean, they, they're not, they don't really tune in a lot, I guess I'm saying, but they, they're like generally aware of who some of the drivers are. I've brought them to a race before, you know, like they're, they're like very, very, very casual. Like they, they have some con, some concept of what it is. So they just, they were texting me during the race. They're, they're watching both of them. Um, and you know, they're saying, oh yeah. And, and you know, this race, it, you can't, this is not a good race for casual people. This is a great opportunity to, with no other sports on, to hook guys like that, you know, and say, hey, this is really cool. This is really great. This look what we have going on. I mean, the Darlington race, had they watched the other night, 
that would have been a perfect race to hook those guys and, and keep them coming back, right? Yeah. But this race where you're just dragging it out, um, I lost both of them at some point. So, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just, it's too much, I think. It, and especially, I wish NASCAR had taken the opportunity, knowing that this was a big chance with this with this pandemic mm-hmm. to really get some new eyes. They really could have done something here but instead i'm somewhere along the line somebody was insisting on tradition and i guess you know there's a lot to be said for that but i just i wish that four four and a half hours is just it's it's too much listen i am a traditionalist anybody who knows me knows i am a tried and true traditionalist and there are certain things that i will just not waver on when it comes to certain nascar things in nascar I'm sorry, but the Coca-Cola 600 is not one of them. It's just, it is too long. I was texting people in the industry saying, what do you think about the uh, Roval on Wednesday night? Would it be cool if NASCAR just said tomorrow, hey, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to do the Oval uh, teams. Just bring out your cars for the uh, road course because we're going to make this happen. Because frankly, I just, I mean, after watching tonight's race, and, and the end was fine, it was dramatic, but does that give you any, does that make you excited for Wednesday night's race? I don't know. I mean, Darlington was so good Wednesday night. It was it was everything that you want in a NASCAR Super Speedway race, and it delivered. And it was 300 miles. It doesn't matter what the length is. It just matters what happens inside of that length. And I, and I, I really believe that if you have a shorter race, it, it, it does make it better because there is just it, – it cranks up the intensity with the drivers of we can't be patient, and we're going to go hell or high water. Yeah. Our friend uh... – Jeffrey Miller, I can't remember the exact tweet, but he um, he tweeted tonight during the race and said something like, you know, after after the two Darlington races, you know, watching uh, watching this one is like ordering a Coke and getting the diet instead of the regular or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It doesn't really build, you know, there was so much momentum. We've been all pumped up and positive on these podcasts um, coming into this one. And then, you know, you see tonight, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to do it Wednesday. All right. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about the was it a good race poll. Um, I cruised to victory uh, last week because it was 93.8%. I took 90% um, for Darlington's Wednesday night race. So um, thanks for the easy one there. We've gone one versus one here since it since it came back, since NASCAR came back. What in the world is this one going to do, though? I am, whew, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you won last week, so I get to, you get to go first again this week. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Um, I, I All right, here's the thing. So, you know, when you look at the bottom of the poll, first of all, I, I don't think it was a good race. Obviously, it had a, a good ending. It it In NASCAR fans' minds, I, I think it sort of takes a lot to go below 50%. When you look back at like, um, I think the 2006, was it 2016 Coke 600 that Truex won that was really dominant where he led like a record yeah. amount of laps? Okay. 390, was it 392 laps out of 400, I think it was? Yeah. So that one got 45% in the poll. Um, the one that Kyle Bush won a couple years later, that got 38%. So I don't think it'll be, I think this one will be higher than both of those just because you had a little bit of drama at the end. I don't know. I I think it's going to be right around 50 though. So I think I'm just going to go 50 with the even number. 
Um, okay. Yeah. The the Austin Dillon one in 2017, Coke 600 was 55. So, yeah, that's. I think I'm going to go 50. What do you, What do you say? Yeah, I was thinking between 50 and 60. So I'm glad you went first. I'll take 60. Just I don't know. People are still excited. Racing's back. That's true. Nothing else. You know, there, there was no other racing today, and, and I think there's going to be that. And I do think the end. I mean, I we can listen. We can say talk whatever you want about whatever happened the, before the last two laps, but the the finish was interesting, and it was it was. It was kind of crazy, and it was unpredictable, and it gives us something to talk about. And I think the fact that Chase Elliott was involved in that um, is entertaining. And how about the fact, and just this is an aside, how about, how about Kyle Busch walking up to Chase Elliott after the race and you know, offering him some, uh, I don't know, what you know, pat on the back or whatever? <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, we uh, you asked Chase about it in the post-race uh, conference. Yeah, you know, he, he said, yeah, Chase didn't really want to say much, but I, you know, we said he, he just, said that Kyle said he felt bad for him or something like that. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, Kyle, or Chase did not want to say much at all in that thing. No, Ooh, he, he was I, short. He, I mean, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's no, tough. He, he was not, and that, he's not, not uh, you know, <laughs> no, it, I get it. That's no, fine. Um, I'd say 60%. 60. I, mean, I think you're okay. going to win. So, well, I mean, feel free to go 50.1. I mean, nothing's nah, stopping you. That's nah, all right. Oh, okay, you want to make it I'll a competition. 60. All right. Yeah. All right, uh, so 60 for you, 50 for me. Now, we have some explaining to do. Some of you missed oh. our Wednesday podcast because it was only in the Athletic uh, on the app and on the website. Um, first of all, sorry about that if you feel misled. We didn't, when we were talking on last Sunday's episode after Tarlington, we didn't know that was um, that was the plan exactly, but should have realized we do one free episode a week here on the teardown and then any other episodes are like considered bonus episodes right so that goes behind the paywall we do need the paywall to survive and uh keep our jobs of course so that's that's how we get paid um working for a subscription company with the with the teardown being free obviously we have some ads that you hear on the free version we take those ads out for uh the pay version but the bonus episodes are just no ads and a pay version, if that makes sense. So our Wednesday podcasts for the teardown will just be on The Athletic. Sorry to those who uh, even are athletic subscribers and want them um, in their app or in, the, you know, in their regular podcast feed like on Apple Podcasts. Um, just not going to happen right now. Sunday teardowns, uh, the once a week ones, will still be free and you know distributed how they normally are. But if you're looking for us on Wednesdays and you want to hear our takes after the race, uh, you need to be a, a subscriber to The Athletic. We, we did just celebrate our one-year anniversary, and so there happens to be a new promo code right now. It's uh, theathletic.com slash auto one year for our one-year anniversary. Um, you can check out the best of the athletic motorsports topic for uh, our favorite stories um, if you want to look at that. Or... When you see this, uh, when you see the podcast pop up on your Twitter feed or whatever, you can just subscribe straight through that link. It should take you to the deal as well. So however you want to do it, there's a deal running right now in honor of our one-year anniversary. So it'd be a good time to sign up. And uh, we hope you, you will be with us Wednesday when we return to talk about another Charlotte race that we hope will be a little bit more exciting than this one. Any final thoughts, Jordan? I'm glad racing's back. I'm glad that we are going to have lots to talk about when we're talking about real racing. 
And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I'm very curious to see how the Wednesday night races go. The Darlington Wednesday night race was a home run. I like the invert, and I think the invert on Wednesday night could be interesting. I mean, we've got some fast cars, again, starting in the back, and let's see if track position and clean air, what, what that impact is. All right, sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you Wednesday on the Teardown. Teardown.